How about that? There we go. There we go. Is anyone else ready for the new year like I'm ready for the new year? You know, just can't wait for this thing to get started. 2024, here we go. Uh, God is doing new things. And one of the new things that God is doing is our interactive prayer wall. And I wanna highlight it for a minute because it's new. Anytime something's new, it's like, what's really going on here? Now, we have an opportunity right now, if you haven't already signed in, that's why we have the QR codes. That's why along when you sat down in the chairs, you're gonna see the QR codes. That's why we have QR codes in the Connecting Center. It's really simple to sign in. What you're gonna see with this interactive prayer wall is that our elders are active. Our staff is all active. And you are wondering maybe like, how can I pray for the church? What's going on? What's really key? How can we pray for each other? This is our new place. This is our gathering place. It's really important. We've had 24-7 prayer. Now we're embedding that into the digital prayer wall. When you think about the digital prayer wall and the potential, we're gonna share what God's doing and praises and requests. Do you know that God answers prayer? Amen. Do you know that God calls us to be a house of prayer and a family of prayer? Do you know that we unite in prayer? Have you ever just wanted more people in the church to know and pray for something that's going on? It's all happening on this interactive prayer wall. We are united together. When you think about the drive-through prayer on Fridays, every Friday from five to seven, our community has a chance to just pull into our parking lot and receive prayer. This is 24 seven. Not only do we pray for each other, but people in our community reach out to us all the time. Hey, could you pray for this? Could I have anyone that would pray for me? And on this interactive prayer wall, our community is gonna also be sharing things that they need prayer for, and you can encourage them. You can reach out, you can pray, you can just click, I've prayed. So this is a significant work that God's doing. Don't want you to miss it today. Simply sign in. You can set up, you know, there's settings, however you wanna lay it out, but it's a simple sign in and then start praying together. I would, when I, when I look back at the years of ministry, I would not say that the church across America has overemphasized prayer. I, I wouldn't say that. And what I would say is that how wise would it be if we intentionally prayed together. And this is one of those catalytic pieces that will remind us, let's be praying for each other. Who can I pray for? We're excited to enter this in together and what God's going to do. He gets the glory. This is the interactive prayer wall. And we're going to be really diving in, sharing requests, celebrating the next 21 days and then beyond. This is the launch. Uh, as we start this new series, Seeking, it really comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And when you come to God, you know that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's an invitation to come to his throne of grace, to come into his presence, not just ask for his hand of blessing, but to seek his face. And he will reward those who earnestly seek him. We wanna seek God together. There's no better way to start the year than to seek God together. And we're gonna be looking at Ephesians chapter six today. If you brought a Bible, you can turn there or find it on your phone. If you ever need a Bible, let us know. We are so glad to provide that for you so you have your own copy of God's word during the week, not just on Sundays, spending time with God and his word. And we are also beginning 21 days of prayer and fasting. I don't know how that sounds to you, but I started thinking about that last night. It really sunk in, like, wow, 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's starting tomorrow. I started getting hungry last night. 
just thinking about the fasting that's coming up. Fasting is a stretch. There's going to be part of you that's like, fasting? Are you serious? I've got no interest in fasting. That's going to be the flesh saying, don't want to fast. Don't like fasting. Some people in the room, fasting's brand new for you. This is the first time you've ever fasted. It's wonderful. In the Bible, Jesus says, when you fast, it's part of walking with God. For some of you, you've been fasting for decades and you fast every week seeking God. So there's a wide range in this room when it comes to fasting, but we are all gonna enter in together and fast. You get to choose what you wanna, how you wanna fast. If it's from entertainment or social media, food, what is the area that's really gonna help you in your walk with God? And then we're gonna enter in and we're gonna fast together. It's going to be a stretch. Obviously, if you have a medical condition, consult your physician before going in to a you know, big time fast. That's important. It's gonna be a stretch for all of us. How many of you know that whenever you've grown in your faith, it's kind of felt like a stretch? That growth and development doesn't really happen in the comfortable zone. That's not where growth really takes place. And fasting is one of those areas that God calls us to do to step out of the comfortable zone. To It's not normal to push aside food. Are you kidding? In America, we got buffets and supermarkets and restaurants everywhere. It's like to say no to some food, to seek God, that's countercultural. But that's where God shows up and moves and we grow so much in that zone and we're excited to do it together. Not just a couple people in the room, but as a church family, fasting and praying the next 21 days, it's a prayerful decision. We're seeking God together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you go ahead of us. You have things this year, God, that beyond what we could plan or imagine. And God, we wanna walk by faith. We wanna walk united. We wanna be hungry for you. We wanna take the steps that you're calling us to take. And we pray, God, for healing, for restoration, God, we pray that our bodies would be touched by you. Our minds would be right, God. Our homes, our spirits, God. We pray that we would be aligned with you as we listen to you, as we long for you, as we worship you and trust you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we begin the new year, I don't think there's a more important question than what are you seeking? What are you really seeking in life as we start 2024? What does that look like to intentionally seek? Jesus said, seek first, not second or third or fifth or ninth. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he shares that in Matthew chapter six, where the context, he keeps saying, do not worry. Do not worry, seek God. Do not worry, seek God. What can worrying add to your life? Seek God. What can worrying do for you? Nothing. Seek God. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom and God will add everything else unto you. What does that look like to seek God first? This is why we have an intentional 21 days of prayer and fasting. What does that mean to fast? It literally means to cover the mouth. And in the Bible, so often fasting is linked to food. That's the primary application when it comes to fasting. It might be less meals, a certain type of food, uh, less food, maybe even a day without food. Fasting means to cover the mouth. 
I think it's ironic that we use the word fast. Whenever I'm fasting, I think it feels very slow. Like 21 days goes by slow. If the meal's at five, the clock moves really slow that day. I'm thinking it must be three. No, it's only 10 in the morning. We got seven more hours to go. Fasting, there's an acceleration spiritually as you give up something to gain something. There's a giving up. Fasting is a sacrifice. We read in the Bible, we bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. It's a sacrifice to eat differently, to change the rhythms and the preferences and all those great desserts. There's a sacrifice. We give up something. Why would we give that up? It's good. Food is good. Food's a blessing. Why would we set that aside? Because there's a greater gain. There's a greater gain. When we set food aside, maybe we're thinking of people around the world that don't have food. And we start to gain some generosity and some awareness. Maybe we gain clarity because when you're not eating, there's something humbling about that. There's something clarifying. Maybe we gain listening to God. Maybe we gain more time in scripture. Maybe we gain some depth or we gain some sanctification. We become more like Jesus. Maybe we gain more of God's presence because we're saying, you mean more to me than that meal right now, God. Your love is greater than life. And that's the motion and the rhythm of fasting. Daniel fasted in the Bible. He was in Babylon. Sometimes it feels like things are looking a little more like Babylon every year. What is going on? We need to learn from Daniel. Daniel took 21 days and he fasted. That's why we have 21 days of fasting. We're not the only church that does this across America starting the year, 21 days of fasting. You know what's interesting when you think about Daniel, and yes, there's fasting, we get a glimpse into spiritually what was happening. For 21 days, the angel was trying to come to Daniel to reveal more, a message from heaven. And literally, there was demonic activity. Demons in that region were blocking the angel. Daniel continued to humble himself and pray and seek God for 21 days. There was an invisible spiritual battle happening. There's an invisible spiritual battle happening in America. And when you humble and seek God's face and pray, there's victories that are won, yes, in the physical realm, but also in the invisible spiritual realm that drives everything we see. We notice the emotional, we notice the relational, we notice the financial, we notice the vocational, we notice all these things, but what's happening underneath is the spiritual and the invisible, and that's primary. And when we fast and pray, we are connected with what God is doing and the victories that God wants to bring. God brings victories in Babylon. God wants to bring victories in your home, victories in this church, and victories in Auburn in 2024. He's calling us to pray. It's time to answer the call. That's what's on my heart today. It is time to answer the call. Now, uh, some of you are fired up to seek God. Some of you are just thinking, man, who's playing in the game today? Again, and, and this is the beauty of it, though. God, with his grace, God, by his spirit, starts to lead all of us together to his presence, and you might think, oh, I've never fasted or I've really blown it this last year. This is a time by God's grace to enter in. It's a throne of grace. And God calls us by his grace and we wanna respond. We wanna respond with all of our heart. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. 
The Bible says we have a cloud of witnesses. And I picture people like Jeremiah cheering us on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13. Then you will call on me. That's what we're gonna do for three weeks. And come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. God hears prayers. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not a divided heart. Not even a casual heart. Not half-hearted. When you seek me with all your heart, you're gonna find me. You're gonna have more of God's presence as we answer the call. And I want us to focus on Ephesians chapter six today. Ephesians chapter six And in this letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, notice this church is solid. This is not a church. Corinth has some glaring issues. Ephesus, they're walking solid. Even if you're walking solid, there's a spiritual battle. You can spend time in the book of Ephesus. You could read it all today in this um, book, the Ephesians. Six chapters, the first three really emphasize receiving, all we've received from God, incredible theology, abiding with Jesus. And then the next three, it's that theopraxis. Well, then how do we live? Because God has given us so much and he's with us and he's for us, how are we gonna live in our faith? And that's chapters four through six. It's beautiful, it's abide and respond, the book of Ephesians. And you get to the end of Ephesians and here's the spiritual battle. The first key today is there's a spiritual battle that rages and you need God's armor. You need God's armor. Now, uh, when you think about God's armor, and this is God's calling in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. Well, what are the other options? Not be strong, not be courageous, be afraid, or be strong in my own strength, just try harder. It's not what this verse says. There's a combination, be strong, be courageous in the Lord's power, in his name. That's an important combination. Now, maybe you're here today and you doubt if there's a spiritual battle. Here's some evidence. Have you ever noticed that there's like a current, often in the culture, there's patterns of this world that wanna pull us away from God? that wanna pull us towards sin. Every time you pick up your phone, there's probably an option to go towards God or away from God, just by the content that's coming in. There's the existence of evil. If you don't think evil exists, this month is Human Traffic Awareness Month. That is pure evil. And it's not overseas, it's right here in our neighborhood. Human trafficking, there's evil. There's a moral and spiritual deterioration that we've seen. You can look at statistics and you hear stories. There's confusion today. There's false teaching. There are lies. God is not a God of confusion. But spirit, love, truth. There's also rebellion against God, the celebration of sin. Have you noticed how often our culture celebrates sin? Uh, There's a battle, there's a spiritual battle. One Bible commentary said the spiritual mafia, the devil, and the demons, the spiritual mafia. 
coming to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to bring abundant life. You don't need to walk in fear. The one who's in you, if you put your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit in you is greater than any darkness or demons that you see. You have authority. You are the light of the world. The light's greater than the darkness. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the power and the might that God gives you. It's in his name. There is a spiritual battle. And when you think about in scripture, there's the fruit of our lives that's linked to the root of our lives. There's the results that are linked to the root. Well, what is it for a follower of Jesus that's at the core, that's at the root? Here it is. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Filled with the Spirit. Are you cultivating a life of prayer? Abiding with Jesus? Cultivating a life where you're listening to his word? Joshua was going into new territory and what did God say? Be courageous, be strong. It's just what we read here. Be strong, be courageous in this spiritual battle. And this is what God says to Joshua. Never let my word depart from your mind and your heart. There is a spiritual battle. There's spiritual power. And God wants you to be strong and courageous as you abide with Jesus, as you call on his name, as you pray, as the word of God dwells in you richly, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not walking in fear. You're walking in God's mighty power during the week. That's the picture as, again, God is writing the Ephesians through Paul, be strong in the Lord and in his power. Why is that exhortation there? Because some people will and some people won't. In 2024, some people will be strong and courageous. And in the name of Jesus, the kingdom will be advanced. And other people will be timid and worry and try to do everything in their own strength and be stressed out and exhausted. And in this spiritual battle, Paul says, be strong and courageous in the might and power in Jesus' name. That's the spiritual battle laid out. And then look at verse 11. There's an imperative, put on. There it is, put on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. The imperative, you heard it twice, put on. You gotta put something on. All of us today, we put something on. We put some clothes on today. Well, clothes are good to put on, but even more important than a jacket or some shoes, it's the spiritual armor of God. The imperative is to put it on daily And with that imperative, it's a tone of importance, responsibility, urgency, because there's a spiritual battle that rages. Daily, make the spiritual preparations for what you're going to face. Every day, make the spiritual preparations for what you're going to face every day. And there's participles. Buckled in, take up, put it in place. What are these resources? What is this armor? There's the belt of truth. Everything that they would wear in that day would be linked to the belt. The belt would hold everything together. God's truth holds everything together. 
Where do you find God's truth? You find it in scripture. Let God's truth fill your mind, fill your soul. Uh, Don't give in to the lies of the culture. Then a breastplate of righteousness. Do you know in Christ there's no condemnation? You are righteous. God gives you his righteousness. Then also, the meaning here is to live righteously, live in holiness, honor the Lord with how you live. When you have a life of integrity, you got no shame. So live in that righteousness. You are righteous, so live in that. It matches your identity. Your feet, the gospel, fitted. Why feet? Every step. Gospel, 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 gospel. Where I live, work, learn, or play, gospel, gospel, gospel. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Wherever I go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. My feet are ready. They are fitted with the gospel. That's how I'm walking today. And then a shield of faith, about four feet by two and a half feet. Here comes the darts. Here comes the flaming arrows. Have you ever noticed during the week, like, what was that? Where did that dart come from? What's that flaming arrow? When you have a shield of faith, it extinguishes those darts. You say, no, 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 holding up to faith. That's how you go through the week, the helmet of salvation. Why do you put on the helmet? Because there's imminent danger. There's a battle going on. If we're chilling, I'm not wearing a helmet. That's not comfortable. But in a battle, I need to know, I've got salvation. I know my eternity. I know my destiny. I know my identity. I've got the helmet of salvation. And then the sword of the spirit, that offensive weapon. I'm ready with the word. I've got a word. I've been memorizing the word. I'm meditating on the word. The word's in my heart. The word's gonna come out. The word is is burning in me. It's gonna come out because the word changes lives. It's living and active. And I'm not watching this world deteriorate. I'm coming forward with the word of God. You don't have to be a pastor to share the word. You don't have to go to seminary to share the word. You got hungry souls all around you that you bring a timely word. You bring a word. You send a text. You send an email. You write a note. You share what you've been learning. You give a testimony. You've got a word. Bring the word of God and share it and watch God do the rest. You just be faithful. They just brought, all we got's these these five loaves of bread and these two fish. I mean, look at all these people around Auburn. All I got's five loaves of bread and two fish. What could Jesus ever do with that? Jesus says, just give me what you got. Lord, all I know is two verses. I I don't have like 20 verses memorized like everyone else in my life. All I got's two verses. Well, then take those two verses, give them to the Lord and watch him feed the masses. The armor of God, put it on. Have you noticed a spiritual battle? Have you noticed what's going on in the culture? You only have to watch the news for like 10 minutes, right? We understand the times. So what are we gonna do? We're just gonna say, oh, things are getting worse. It's bad. I'm retreating. Oh man, I'm giving, oh, this is bad too. Are we gonna complain defeated, give up, passive, or are we gonna put on the armor of God? Two ways to go. That's why in Ephesus, there's a spiritual battle, put on the armor of God. Here's the next aspect from this chapter. God is calling you to participate with prayer and fasting. Look at verse, um, 
I'm going to continue with verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and listen to the call. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. If there was a verse for our interactive prayer wall, that'd be a pretty good verse, wouldn't it? Interactive prayer wall, why would we have a 24-7 prayer wall? Well, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for all the saints. You might as Notice the word all in that one verse. Four times, all. When it comes to prayer, all. All situations, all kinds of prayers. Always keep on praying. Pray for all the saints. There is a fullness to prayer. I confess that during the year, a lot of times my prayer life doesn't feel as full as it could be or should be. Maybe I'm the only one in the room, but verses like this are helpful to remind and give a fresh vision of the fullness of an active prayer life and what happens when we pray. Here we read, be alert, and that means literally in all persistence. Why would we need to hear that? Because it's easy to give up. It's easy to gossip. It's easy to slack. It's easy to sleep. It's easy to be lazy. It's so easy to have excuses and to be distracted. I've lived for a lot of decades now. I don't think there's ever been a more distracting time than what we have right now. The amount of information and stimulus and things that are coming our direction and every, it's going every way and everyone's got a rant and everything in the news and who's reliable. And it's like, it is so distracting for people right now. That's why we need transformation. That's why we need seeking God. That's why we need prayer. That's why we need the word. And intercessors, rise up. Rise up. Some of you behind the scenes, pray. And and maybe you wonder, does it really matter? Should I keep going? We appreciate you so much, so much. And some of you think, well, physically, I can't do everything I used to do. All I can really do is just pray, and I'm praying every day, and I'm seeking God. And we thank you. What an incredible gift to the body that you are so committed and you are continuing to pray. I don't know of a better way to love someone than just to pray for them and to continue to get on your knees for them. Your kids, your grandkids, crying out for your church family, crying out to God, leaders across the land, praying for these people. In the book of Joel, chapter one, we read, and Joel, at that time, they knew they needed to seek God. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land. That's what we're going to do Saturday morning. Summon the elders. We're meeting here to pray. All who live in the land, come to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. And we also read in Joel chapter 2, as they are seeking God, gathering, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. It's time as the prophet Joel's describing, not just to go with the status quo. 
it's time to intentionally fast and pray. God says in Ezekiel chapter 22, is anyone gonna stand in the gap? I look for someone. God's always looking to and fro across the land. Among them who would build up the wall, stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. God sees the sin across the land and wonders, is there anyone who will intercede and pray for the land and repentance and healing? Who's gonna cry out on their knees? Who will stand in the gap and not be passive, but be intentional? And God gives us this encouragement, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, takes a lot of humility to pray. We drop a lot of pride. We drop a lot of self-reliance. We humble ourselves and pray. We seek God's face. We turn from our wicked ways and our sin. God's gonna hear from heaven. He forgives sins and he will heal our land. Is anyone desiring God to bring healing in America, in souls and families and churches and across our land? God says what to do. It's not super tricky, but our flesh hates doing it. It's turning from sin, getting on our knees. You mean like once on Sunday morning? I mean like in your prayer closet. I mean in your home. You say, well, we don't pray at our house. We we don't have a praying house. That's not what we do. That's for church. We do it at a Bible study. Well, what if God wanted to bring a fresh wind where you spend most of your time and your house became a house of prayer and you were seeking God together in your house. Whoever lives there, roommate, or it could be parent, or it could be kid, sibling. And you said, you know what, these three weeks, let's change the culture in our house. I know we pray together at church, but could we pray together at home? Some of you are like, oh, that's too radical. I got the wrong church. Man, they want us to pray at home. This is a crazy vision. I don't know about this. This is is the calling on our lives in 2024. And we shift from being passive to being intentional. And prayer becomes our habitual response. In the spirit, that's in agreement with the Holy Spirit, led by the spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't give us a spirit of timidity. And Jeremiah 33, here's some more encouragement. Jeremiah 33, verses two and three. What happens when we seek God? This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, that's who we're talking to. The one who made the earth. The Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. He invites us, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Bible says God confides in those who fear him. God will just keep turning up the dimmer switch more brightly to those who seek him, to those who fear him, surrender to him. He confides. This is what's exciting about the new year. God already goes ahead of us. God has things planned. God is gonna guide us, communicate to us, reveal new things. 
God has exciting new things in this year. Lives are going to be changed. You're going to use your gifts. There's going to be healing and restoration. You're going to see people come to know Jesus. God is going to show you and guide you. Okay, this is how I want you to work. This is how the conversation's going to go. This is what I want you to share. This is how I want you to listen. I want you to listen differently that you've been listening. All these things, God lines it up. In the Bible, God calls his people to fast and pray. When you think about scripture and the fasting and praying, Daniel in Babylon, dedicated to prayer and to fasting. Anna in the New Testament, fasting, why? So she could draw near to God. There's a battle that breaks out. Moses, Aaron, and her all day long, that just seeking God in prayer so that the battle's won. When the Israelites are returning from Babylon to Jerusalem and coming back from exile, Ezra's praying for their protection. You might have prayers of protection as you fast and pray because you know there's some people right now that they're in harm's way and they need your prayers of protection in what they're going through. The city was rubble and ruins in Nehemiah. When he saw that, do you know what he did? Fasting and praying. I'm sharing these stories because it's not just one isolated part of the Bible. Throughout the Bible, Jesus was fasting and praying in the wilderness. Throughout the Bible, what you see, fasting and praying in God moves. Fast and pray in God moves. God protects, God provides, God reveals, God heals, God changes lives. When you fast and pray, it's linked to these blessings that God opens up heaven and pours out. The floodgates of heaven are open when God's people will humble themselves, fast and pray. That's the calling. Will we answer the call? You know, uh, as I start this year, I sense that this would be a year that we would see Auburn changed. We would see Auburn changed. I believe God has given us everything we need to bring the gospel to every man, woman, and child in Auburn. Not just our church, but the other churches as well. There's like a longing... You know, when you walk with God, there'll be seasons where God will bring deep conviction. And there's different, Auburn's always been here. God's always been here. God's always been working in Auburn. God will continue to work in Auburn. There's seasons and there's parts of your life where God will like highlight it. And sometimes when you're reading the Bible, there'll be a verse that just jumps off the page. You're like, God just highlighted that verse. Or there will be a conversation. Or there will be something in your calling. You just know, I've got to do this. For me, going into this year, I feel like Auburn is just paramount. And it is a conviction that comes through it that I want to see some things change in Auburn. Do you look around our city and long for that? Do you wonder, like, how could it happen? You know what doesn't work for me is thinking, you know what, we're just going to do what we've always done and expect something totally different. That kind of thinking just doesn't resonate with me. Are we going to do some things we've always done? Absolutely. Is there international student ministry? Yes. Is there prayer groups? Yes. Is there drive-through prayer? Yes. Is there, I mean, I can name a lot of things we're doing. Those are great. God's moving in those. But I think God's calling the churches in Auburn to do something different 
and more. And I don't think it's in our own strength. I think it's not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I don't think it's gonna happen if just a couple people in the body are kind of like, yeah, I, I would like to see something happen in Auburn. I, I don't know. I think it's gonna take the body of Christ in Auburn to change Auburn. I think it's gonna take the body of Christ in Auburn. Will, will it be a certain program? I could say bless. I could say begin by praying for people in Auburn. I could say listen, L, to people in Auburn. I could say eat meals with people in Auburn. I could say serve and, and you know, meet needs in Auburn. I could say share about Jesus, invite people to church. I, I could say bless if you're saying, well, what do we do? I say bless Auburn, bless Auburn. I could say that, but I don't think it's gonna be the program. What I've seen in my walk with God, when a campus changes or a city changes, this is how it happens. God's people get a conviction and it's a joyful conviction and they start to pray and they make themselves available to God and God fills them with the spirit and they start to see people differently and they start to live differently during the week. And all of a sudden there's conversations and opportunities and someone else comes to the Lord and someone else gets baptized. Someone else joins a life group. Someone else wants to come to church. And pretty soon like dominoes, you just start to see the city change. And that's, as I'm praying the next three weeks, that's my focus because that's what I've been sensing from God. What are you sensing from God as you start these three weeks, tuned in to God. Here's the last truth. God has breakthroughs and boldness for you. Paul writes this, and then he continues in verse 19. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Where's Paul? He's in chains. He's waiting for the trial. He knows he's still an ambassador. You are still a priest and ambassador. Even if you're in prison, you're still a priest and ambassador. He didn't do anything wrong. He's being persecuted by his, because of his faith, but he wants to finish well. He wants to be faithful. And how many people choose a word for the year? That's kind of popular. Does anyone have a word for the year? Just raise your hand if you've kind of chosen a word. Yeah, you don't have to say your word, but yeah, a lot of people do that going to New Year, like trying to listen to God, what's the word? It's fine to have a word. Sometimes God will give you focus in a word. Do you know what Paul's word is? Fearlessly. Heard it twice here. Pray for me that I would be fearless. What does that mean? Paul still feels fear. He says it all the time. I came with fear and trembling. Like fearless doesn't mean I don't feel any fear ever. It means that fear would not have the final say. Fear would not hold me back. Fear of my reputation, my career, my job, people's opinions of me, fear of how the relationship might change, fear of other people liking me. Fear's not gonna have the final say. Paul says, here's my word. That's a good word for 2024. Fearlessly, fearlessly live for Jesus right here in Auburn. That's a vision. That's a breakthrough. That's boldness. Trust God with the results. Jesus said, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. Jerusalem, where you live, your city, Auburn, you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit to live this out because you can't do it alone. But the Holy Spirit is going to do that. Paul, you have chains on your body. Yes, yes, he does. You have a guard on your side. Yes, that's true. But Paul would say, I've got the gospel in my mouth. I've got courage in my spirit. I'm on my knees and in my heart, transform lives. That's his posture while he's in prison. Well, Philippians chapter one, verses 12 and four, through 14 says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, and there's persecution, imprisonment, has actually served to advance the gospel. Say, well, how does that happen? How could Paul be in chains in the gospels being advanced? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So everyone, all the jailers, everyone knows this is a Jesus guy. He loves Jesus. You can have a relationship with Jesus. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear, without fear. You know what happens when you start to live fearlessly for Jesus? The people in your life group start to get courage too. Someone starts to go fearless and someone else starts to get a vision of that's what it looks like. You can do that. You're gonna do that. You trust God with that. You're dropping your idols of being comfortable. You're going for this thing. Well, if you're going for this thing, you know what? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do something I haven't done before. I'm signing up for the missions trip. I'm gonna pray and fast. I'm gonna start sharing my story. I'm gonna post something online so people can check out that website. I'm gonna take a next step too. And the culture in the body of Christ starts to change. I don't think the culture outside the church will change until the culture within the church changes. I don't think the culture in the church changes until our hearts and homes change. But when you have the Holy Spirit, now you've got victory over fear. Now there's a fire and those challenges don't look so daunting anymore because the fire in you is greater than the opposition that you face. That's where God wants to place his body. You say, well, that's kind of a wake-up call. That's kind of something different. That's kind of bold. That's kind of on fire. That's kind of fearless. That's kind of hopeful. That's kind of exciting. You mean I don't have to live in defeat? There's some victories coming up this year? Absolutely. I don't have to be passive. I can take a role. God is calling you. God is calling you. It's time to answer the call. That's what's in my spirit. It's time to answer the call. I don't know how to describe the feeling. You know, all I could think back of when I was a freshman and, um, and I'm just gotta make sure I don't go too long starting to tell a story. This will be a short story. When I was a freshman and I showed up at college and I was all excited to play soccer and then what happened? The coach had me on the bench and I was on the bench for games. And there was just this feeling inside. And it's not like I'm grumbling. It, it was sometimes when you walk with God, there's this holy restlessness. And I just had this 
going on inside of me, like I do not wanna spend four years sitting on the bench watching everybody play soccer. I don't wanna spend my four years of eligibility doing, we call it the halftime show. The guys were on the bench, they get five minutes to go out there and do a halftime show and kick it around and then, and then they're back on the bench. Like I just, there was something in me that just despised that I would just spend four years on this bench and I felt a motivation to learn how to, whether it's kick, dive, catch, talk to defenders, lift weights, something needed to change because I was here, the game was here, and something's got to change so I can get in the game. And I'm just wondering if there's anyone in this room that's just, you drive down the same streets in Auburn, and you see the same police reports, and you hear the same stories, and you see that three, four percent are going to church on a weekend, and then you got all these people you love, and, and they don't know about God, and you just wonder, and you hear reports from the schools, and you see what's happening, and I just wonder if there's anyone that feels stirred up this year just to say, this can't stay the same for another year. It can't, it can't, and it won't. And we can't do it on our own strength. But I believe this, it's time to answer the call. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's stewardship of your finances. Maybe it's time in the word. Maybe it's a certain country you're gonna go to. How is God calling you? There's some things he calls us together. He called us all to gather together. He calls us every Sunday to gather together. He calls us through communion to return to him. There's a lot of things we're called to together. He's calling us together to reach Auburn in a new way. And then there's individual things that are unique to your life. And you sensed it. He's probably even given you a few nudges to say, this is what I'm gonna do this year. This is where you're gonna grow. It's gonna be grace, but this is what growth looks like. This is what's gonna change. I have something better for you. I wanna provide. I wanna provide. I want more peace for you instead of worry. I want more healing for you. Instead of those deep scars, I wanna bring some healing. I wanna deliver you from some traps. Some secret sins, they're gonna start to look disgusting because I'm giving you a new perspective. The people in your life, you're gonna start to have more compassion for them. You're gonna start to pray for them and listen to them. You're gonna take some relationship risks. What is God calling you to do? And there's nothing better today than to answer the call. Let's take this moment of prayer before we close and just have this time with God. Ask God, say, God, you know my life, search my heart. I only want your voice, God. I'm not going for faithfulness to anybody else but you. And God, I know this is a significant year. God, I wanna start this year tuned into your voice. God, I pray for boldness and breakthroughs. Breakthroughs in my walk with you, God. In boldness and courage in a double portion, God. We pray, God, right now that you would provide clarity for what you're calling us to do. God, for these three weeks that are set apart, these three weeks, God, in your presence, 
prayerful days, prayerful decisions, your wisdom, God, your restoration, your priorities, your changes, your shifts, God. Forgive us of our sin. We wanna walk in the light, God. We wanna seek you together, God. You said you'll heal the land if your people repent, if your people cry out, if your people humble themselves, if your people pray, God, you will heal the land. You forgive sins. You heal marriages. You heal churches. You heal leaders. God, we ask for your healing as we humble ourselves and pray. We offer ourselves to you in worship that we would answer the call. We would answer the call. We would answer the call. And we hear your voice. Be courageous. Be strong. In God's power, in God's might, be strong. And we pray for your strength today to do what's right, to trust you with the results, to be faithful to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we commit it to you in Jesus' name.